Just Sean Payton to the Broncos, man. It's going to happen. It's getting closer. It's possible. Second round interviews, but, you know, that to me means he's at least considering the Broncos. But I feel like he doesn't have to. Make Sean Payton, he will get Russell Wilson out of there if he needs to. I don't know how, but he'll find a way. You can't with that contract, dude. You can't. That or he'll find a way to get it to re- reconstructure if Russell Wilson's that bad. Because I don't mm. know. I, I can see maybe a year or two of like Russell Wilson just, you know, just sucking it up and taking all this money. But after a while, there's going to be so much media pressure, so much pressure from the team and everything for him to like reconstructure, just accept some re- one of the biggest buyouts in the history of NFL. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sean, Sean Payton will get this done. I promise. This team is too talented. Denver is way too talented. I don't believe they really are. I, I think they're on the decline. I don't think the receivers are as good as... It only looks that bad because of Russell Wilson, I promise. If They haven't been able to perform with a handful of quarterbacks. And if you look at the best of the best, they can perform with but anybody. Look, but look at who those quarterbacks were. I hear you, but Tyreek can still perform with Skyler. <laughs> Drew Lock. Right? And it, yeah. I don't know. Wait, this is episode eight, right? Sure is. Pretty sure. Okay. All right. Three, two, one. Welcome, everybody, to the Built Different Podcast. We are back with episode eight. Episode eight of Gold Rush. I am here with Bill. My name is Tom. This is just Bill and Tom doing what we do best. And that's talk about some football. The playoffs, I mean, last round, I, I'll say it wasn't as exciting as some of the previous rounds. But this championship weekend is what we've all been waiting for. And I, I think it's definitely going to be a good one, man. How are you doing, Bill? I'm doing great. And you, you said it great there. It, it wasn't nearly the fireworks that we saw uh, in wildcard weekend. But hey. Uh, it was still solid football and really setting up uh, for a very exciting weekend this weekend. And I really think we've got the best teams left here. So uh, that's really what you want to ask for uh, coming out of divisional round is you just want to make sure the last four teams standing are, are going to make for an exciting Super Bowl matchup. And really, I don't think we can go wrong from this point forward. Yeah, for sure. And I, I definitely agree. I mean, yeah, you know, the excitement, it, it's just – this was like uh, it's kind of like that season where you get a court like you have a talented team, so you just get you know any. This is like what the Colts have done every year. They just they get a cool quarterback to come in to lift them to the next year. This is kind of what it is, and now we're here in the championship weekend, and we don't have a break yet. I'm really I just want to continue to thank NFL for not giving us the break before the championship games and doing it before the Super Bowl instead, because man, this is gonna be good. So before we dig in though. Yes. I have a very interesting question to ask because there's been a lot of good playoff games, but what, in your opinion, is your most favorite playoff game? And I know you can't really – there's not really too many Dolphins games to choose from. but Yeah, especially not a, a winning one in my lifetime. <laughs> so uh, with that said, there's been a lot of excitement, especially more recently. I can think of a couple and, you know – Really just looking at the ending in particular, you think of things like Vikings versus Saints, but uh, really the one that sticks out above all else is that Bills versus Chiefs game from last year. It's a game so exciting that they end up changing the rules 
uh, to try and get more of that. And if you could get those fireworks to continue for more than just the first drive overtime, I, I think everybody would win. Uh, rule change a little too little too late, and I'm going to circle back on that rule change. Do you want to talk about that in a different light a little later on? Uh, but <laughs> that game was exhilarating, and it, really it was like a 99% chance for each team to win back and forth switched several times and it, Mahomes and Josh Allen put on the masterclass and it, it was nuts. It, game time management, the just accuracy of the passing, some moves from Tyreek Hill that were just unreal. It, it was awesome to watch. I, I was, that was the one game that if you're not watching live, you watching that after the fact is just never in a million years going to get the effect of, the nail biting, just absolute anxiety that everyone has sitting in front of their TVs. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree, but for the the sake of the podcast, I'm gonna disagree. But I, I love that game because it was like if there was one game in NFL history where it's like no one really lost, <laughs> like both, like you had both teams really give it their all from yeah. start to end. The storyline was there. It sucks because that's probably the best game Josh Allen is ever going to play. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's football. There's no bitching in football. Um, unless so, you're – well, okay, we, we won't go that far. But <laughs> – and Yeah, I think you're kind of right there. The, the Bills walk away with a moral victory there, and there aren't typically moral victories in football. But here's the thing. That game is something that inspired Von Miller to sign with them. That, that game – has people willing to sign in free agency in Buffalo in that cold weather under snowy conditions. <laughs> it's not where people want to go to play football. And that whether that means as an away team or to sign up and play your home games there, that's just not ideal for anybody. Uh, but because the team performed so well and there was so much heart left on that field, that's the thing. I hate the Bills. I, you know I do. And that's the Dolphin fan in me. Uh, but that game made me respect the hell out of them. And some of that's fizzled out. Don't get me wrong. But, it, you know, that <laughs> in that moment, I respect the hell out of the Bills. I was still happy with the end result. But, uh, damn, it was just an awesome game. Yeah, and uh, my game, you know, I won't be a homer and pick the Super Bowl with, you know, Nick Foles and Tom Brady because there was a lot of storyline that went into that, you know, the Eagles being the ultimate underdog, Tom Brady obviously being Tom Brady. But that's what I think Tom Brady always added to the Super Bowl. And my choice here um, is going to be uh, – I'm going to go with the Patriots and the Falcons. And the only reason I'm going to go with the Patriots and the Falcons is because, like, Heading into that game, it was like we all knew it was going to be like a, a shootout between Matt Ryan and Tom Brady. We knew it was going to happen. And then it just came out as Matt Ryan. Everyone gets to talk and Atlanta feels good. And that's what I love. Atlanta felt good and they got their heart crushed. But Atlanta felt good. You know, they, they were doing good. And then all of a sudden, Tom Brady with this legendary comeback. Say what you want about the Falcons coaching Say what you want about any of Tom Brady's rings. He's the one that did it. And I don't know if anyone else in that spot would have had the courage to come back down that far in a Super Bowl game because that was an incredible comeback. Um, and then the, the other one you have to mention is them and the Seahawks because, again, it's the, it's the story that comes into the game. It's Tom Brady versus best team in the NFL, 
will Tom Brady win? What's you know what's really good? What's gonna happen here? And that game in particular, um, it didn't really live up to it too much. I mean, I know we had the ending, we had the, the amazing uh, back and forth in the middle, um, but you know, it, it's it's Tom, Tom Brady makes these playoff games, which is why I hope there's. There has to be one more run for Tom Brady is like a really, really old man. And it's like Patrick Mahomes has to put him out of his misery or something. But um, yeah. I'm definitely going to go with, with uh, Falcons and Patriots for me. If we see another Tom Brady championship run, I think it's in the XFL. I don't think he's got it in him <laughs> anymore, man. It, it's got to be over by now. But um, we talked. During- I don't know. Get, get that oh. man. Uh, get that man an O line. That don't. That don't. Break. It's possible, but it, yeah, we talked during the coaching carousel about how with seven assistant coaches all on their way out, Byron Ref- Leftwich being one of them, how that means it's absolutely done for Brady in Tampa. And in looking at exactly who was let go, it's starting to look like that might be Tom's blueprint in staying in Tampa. So I, I wouldn't be as shocked as I would have been when I first discussed it. Uh, if Tom does make another, you know, season in Tampa, whether it's going to be any kind of similar, anything that resembles a run in Tampa, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think that all offensive line got a little old, a little fast. They're, they're banged up and, you know, they're just not built for that right now. Uh, I'm surprised that Bull sticks around if, the idea is for Tom to come back. I don't think Bowles is going to be there for very long. Uh, I think if Tom is gone, then having Todd Bowles as your head coach, along with starting a rookie quarterback like Kyle Trask, could end up uh, resulting in a number one pick. So I think there's plenty of logic in keeping Bowles around if Tom's out. But yeah, I to circle back to the actual topic at hand here, uh, those two Tom Brady Super Bowls really cemented the legacy. Because even Tom the Giants Brady. one that he lost was pretty epic, the first yeah. one. Yeah, really, that, that first one in particular, it wasn't one of Tom's best games, but that was a ridiculous game. So, Especially it, living in New York. I yeah, mean. yeah. And uh, it, undefeated Patriots coming in to the Super Bowl against the Giants. Against the New York Giants. Yeah. <laughs> Eli, Man- and, <laughs> Eli Manning and the that's Giants. A, that's the biggest heist in NFL history. Y- yeah. that It's crazy. But that game had probably the biggest legacy going into it. I wanted to go with just my favorite non-Super Bowl game. I think there's just so many feelings associated with some of those sure. Super Bowls that right. the absolute that's fair. feeling alone um, – can really push those over the top. Uh, but I'm going Bills Chiefs is Mid- my favorite non-Super Bowl game for sure. And, but you just brought up a whole bunch that have a lot of contention. And I'll talk about my favorite Super Bowl little in another episode. And I'll uh, turn the table on you. And our Super Bowl episode. Yep. For sure. So one thing that I wanted to point out about Tom Brady, and this might be a relevant way for people to finally say he's done. You know, something that I could back up and say, okay, maybe Tom Brady has taken a step back, is that normally he's top five in the in the MVP running. This year he is not. I mean, for obvious reasons, <laughs> not having a winning record is one is the, probably the big one. Um, but the NFL released their final five um, for MVP candidates, that being Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, and Justin Jefferson. So my question to you, Bill, is who's your MVP? So that that's a good one. And this year is 
pretty tough. Some years it's it's pretty straightforward. But uh, first off, I just want to eliminate Justin Jefferson. I appreciate them throwing a wide receiver into the consideration set, but it's not for real. If Cooper Cup didn't win it last year, it's going to take borderline miracle for a wide receiver to, yeah. to really take home the Cooper trophy. Cup. Yeah. His season wasn't as good as Cooper Cup's. It, Cooper Cup won the Triple Crown, you know, and in a year like that where, you know, the, the actual winner I didn't think was quite as deserving. So this year you have four quarterbacks that played lights out and Justin Jefferson did his thing, but he showed up really small in some really big games. So I can't call him the most valuable player this year for sure. Uh, so if we look at the quarterbacks, uh, I have to go with Mahomes. Mahomes just had an unreal year. The fact that he did it without Tyreek Hill is absurd. And I know we can't really count what he does in the playoffs, but in that first playoff game, just the will to fight, is, that showed me everything that I needed to see to say, like, this guy is deserving of any and every success that comes his way. Um <laughs> Statistically, solid season. I'd say better than anybody else. They're not first across the board, but ultimately that he had that offense first in scoring and first in yards per play. He did it with Isaiah Pacheco, who's a late round rookie. Uh, he did it with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who ends up on the injured reserve before long. He did it with a hodgepodge of receivers that have been largely irrelevant in years past. Juju, of course, had one good year at the Steelers, but he provided Juju with his best uh, year since that. Marquise Valdez, Scantling, Sky Moore, Nicole Hardman was actually playing pretty well before he got hurt. Uh, and I think we're going to see him back before, or at least by the time they get to the Super Bowl, if they do get to the Super Bowl. So the the cast around him minus Travis Kelsey – very pedestrian. And if he can put up those numbers and make that offense plug at that level with those guys around him and Travis Kelsey, who's, I think, cementing his legacy as the greatest tight end of all time. And I might put him in the MVP race before I'd put Justin Jefferson in right here. Uh, but <laughs> still, overall, I, I got to go with Mahomes. Yeah, for sure. And I'll agree. I mean, I like that they threw Jefferson on there, um, at least over Kirk Cousins, because that's probably the other person they were probably thinking of putting there. And they're probably like, oh, let's not do that. The Vikings probably paid him to throw in Jefferson over Kirk Cousins or something like that. I wouldn't be surprised because they're really going to try to keep Jefferson, and I don't blame them. Yeah. Um, Jefferson, he's monumental, but I wouldn't even have put him as the best wide receiver this year um, just because, you know, everyone could kill me, but I still think Devontae Adams is – wide receiver number one and he proved that in that shit show of, of las vegas <laughs> this year i think it's just really easy to throw the ball out when you're playing from behind for 90 percent of your season <laughs> yeah, that's fair that's fair but that, that's a kind of the raiders are done they're they're cooked they're smoked <laughs> i i embarrassed myself um but with, with mvp um it, it comes down to three names Mahomes, hurts and burrow burrow with the with the long shot um, Burrow is probably going to do amazing things in the playoffs anyway. He's already he's already doing them. But I'm going with Jalen Hurts. And listen, I love Patrick Mahomes. I love what he's been able to do. I love the system that they got in KC. I love that whole team. But like 
Jalen Hurts, and I get it. You know, we added AJ Brown. Uh, that's the that's a huge that's huge obvious. Patrick Mahomes lost Tyreek Hill. That that's a big you know nail in, in this debate. However, I'd like to point out that Jalen Hurts is the system. He's the entire system. And it, it's beautiful to see that Jalen Hurts, he's running, he's passing. I think he's top 10 in both passing and rushing yards, if I'm not mistaken. I could be mistaken on the rushing end. Um, but he's doing amazing things. And, yes, the team is talented all the way around. But without him, um, this Eagles football team had almost no identity. And you're going to get that later in the season when you lose your, your top MVP quarterback. Um, but, you know, the entire media, they, they wrote that script like, oh, this team would be just as good with Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew is probably one of the best, you know, backup quarterbacks in the league. Didn't, didn't do the job, and we almost, you know, dropped the whole division to the Cowboys. So, you know, Jalen Hurts, just with everything that was against him media-wise, I know I shouldn't be saying Patrick Mahomes won't win because everybody already loves him, and he was already established, and he's already... You know, he's one person that we could see maybe going toe-to-toe with Tom Brady by the end of his career. But I, I got to give it to Jalen Hurts, man. I got to go with the story. I mean, MVP, they – I I hate Aaron Rodgers. That's all I got to say. <laughs> so my only argument against Hurts – and here's the thing. I'll, I'll, first, I want to commend him. Five, how much yards did Patrick Mahomes have throwing? It's, it's hard to argue against. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes finished season with – uh, 5,250 yards yeah. on the button. Uh, 41 like, touchdowns. Either, either way, I, I won't be mad. I'll yeah. say that. I won't be mad, and I'm not sitting here saying it's definitely Hurts or it's definitely sure. Mahomes. I'm fine with either, but I, I got I to stick with my boy here. I got to stick with my guy. I understand and respect the homer pick, but uh, and here's the thing. I think what Hurts did, he proved that that team needs him by actually missing games. And here's the argument against Mahomes. Chad Henney comes in for one drive this season in a meaningful scenario, 98-yard touchdown drive. So can the Chiefs succeed without Mahomes? Maybe. Can the Eagles succeed without Hurts? No. So on a pure technicality, maybe Hurts is more valuable. But who had the better season? I have to go Mahomes here. And – Hertz did miss a little time, and I don't fault him for that. You can't I, – I don't hold that against him. From a voting standpoint in the MVP race, they do. That playing the whole season is kind of necessary there. That's how Tua fell behind before he even started playing at not as good. If Tua continued the numbers he was putting up and he stayed healthy throughout the season, yeah. game over. This is Tua's to lose. And that- but – he I'm going to make a take here. Like, I I really wish they would. And I know it's regular season MVP and we have a Super Bowl MVP for a reason. But I almost mm-hmm. wish they would count the play. Maybe maybe yeah. count up to the AFC champion and NFC championship. Because for me, this is this is two different things. It was Patrick Mahomes. He just needs to get back to the playoffs. And he needs to cement his legacy through winning Super Bowls at mm-hmm. this point. Which is crazy because he's... You know, so early in his career, yeah, twenty-seven years Jalen old. Jalen Hurts, he needed to be that good for the Eagles to be good all season. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the team is nasty, but it's like he had something to prove all year long. Where Patrick Mahomes, yeah. it's just get to the playoffs. And I honestly would give the MVP if it ends up being Chiefs and Eagles. 
then it, then it's a toss up. But I would I honestly don't think I can cast like an actual vote until after after this weekend because it's like if if, if Jalen Hurts goes out and he shits the bed. I probably wouldn't vote for him anymore, and then he still wins. It's like what happened with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, yeah maybe Aaron Rodgers was a top three player last year, but once he got to the playoffs, he died, and Cooper Cup carried his – well, he didn't carry – well, okay, I'll, I'll say he carried his team basically all the way to the end because they almost, they fell almost flat in that Super Bowl, but thank God Cup existed on that last drive. Right. But right. that that's exactly what I mean, and it's like, yeah, Aaron Rodgers – is cool and all, but he's playing to for his legacy in the postseason. Yeah. That's what matters to most sports fans. We don't, and then when we look back, we're like, those MVPs don't matter. He no. only had one ring, so it invalidates the entire MVP that we gave to Aaron Rodgers that for that whole year. Yeah, you make a a great point there, and the way we look at people's legacies and and the way we remember players that are no longer in the league, it's not right. It, it doesn't help their Hall of Fame yeah. campaigns and it doesn't help a lot of the things that are legitimately important to us. So I think you're right. Let's boycott that MVP. Let's stop talking about it right now. Uh, but for the record, <laughs> I got Mahomes. He's got Hurts. I think it's definitely Mahomes. Yes, sir. But I, I respect So speaking, speaking of Mahomes, we got our last session of Saturday football this year. Yeah. And I mean, until the Pro Bowl festivities, but we, we had our final Saturday session this year. It started off with a thriller. Uh, well, it was mostly thrilling because of the storylines that were attached to the game. Yeah. The Chiefs defeat the Jaguars, while a lot of people thought that was, you know, supposed to happen. Patrick Mahomes has a high ankle sprain after this game, and the Jaguars have a lot to look forward to next season. So... Yeah, take it away. Yeah. Uh, so first off, hats off to the Jaguars. Uh, the they really had one hell of a second half of the season. They didn't look like they belonged when they were up against the Chiefs. But frankly, not many teams will. So it also tells me that the Chargers really didn't belong uh, because Jaguars take them out and then uh, end up getting mostly handled by the Chiefs. But at the same time, in typical magical Doug Peterson fashion, they end up making this game at the end. And they came pretty damn close to tying this thing up. I, I think a couple different bounces and, and we're looking at at least an overtime game. But knowing Doug Peterson, there's no chance they're going for a one point extra point and, and putting into overtime. We were going to have a winner no matter what. So. Uh, but still, it was it was damn close to being even more exciting. But they ended up putting together a presentable game. And there weren't many of those this past weekend. So kudos to the Jags for doing that. Uh, but they're just not quite there yet. I think they learned a lot about themselves. And I think they proved to the world that they're going to be the real deal. And Lawrence needs a little bit more uh, experience. And... He no, needs to learn when to just tuck the ball and not throw into double coverage. <laughs> a couple other things like that. And, yeah. and he'll be a whole lot better of a quarterback. Uh, but he showed that he can be a leader, which it sounds weird when he's doing it. If you hear the little audio clips, it doesn't sound like leadership, but the team's behind him. So, you know, I have to be behind him too if the team believes in him. That said, 
Chiefs are the real deal. And even without Mahomes in there, I, here's what the Chiefs really proved to me. They have a 53-man roster that's here to play the game. And Mahomes goes down, they play harder. And they didn't really have any harder to play. They they went from 100% to 110% when <laughs> Mahomes goes down and put together a stellar drive for Chad Henney, who puts together his only meaningful playoff drive in his career. Anything is possible. Uh, no, he actually he had one last year as well, I believe. But still, Chad Henney just really ousting him or putting himself right back into relevance uh, all of a sudden out of nowhere. That was pretty exciting to watch uh, the former Dolphins quarterback finding some success about 15 years down the road. Uh, so I enjoyed the game. I thought it was a lot of fun um, and better luck to the Jags next year. Yeah, for sure. You know, big, big shout out to the Jaguars. Big shout out to Doug Peterson. Way, way to be reinserting yourself you know, right back into this league. Because like I said, I hated it. I hated that, you know, while I love my team, I really hated the way we treated Doug Peterson um, to kind of scapegoat him in the whole situation and then still get rid of Wentz after, which I'm glad. I'm not saying I wanted us to keep Wentz. But it was the the blaming it on Doug Peterson and then still getting rid of Carson Wentz after. Um, you know, love, love our coaching staff now, but it's like, you know, Doug Peterson was that guy, man. He was the guy. It's just unfortunate. I'm glad we won with him. And now the Jags can win with him because that Jags team, you know, they're, they're going to get Calvin Ridley next year and they're going to have money to spend and they're going to have draft picks to, to fucking use. So it, it, it's going to be great. You know, Trevor Lawrence, I think this was probably the best thing that could have happened for his career. Because as we were sitting here on like Christmas and whatever, we were just we were arguing on whether or not Trevor Lawrence was going to have a good future in this league or not. And he goes out there and leads a comeback, um, wins the division, comes in, wins a playoff game, and then gives gives Mahomes and the Chiefs his, their best shot. Yeah. And that's all you can really ask for because it's the Chiefs. They're they're on a you know a steamroll to the championship, and the Jaguars are just happy to be there. So. You know, with with uh, Trevor Lawrence, I love him. I love that after the game, he was, you know, there in the tunnel, you know, high-fiving all of his dudes, giving them hugs before they went into the tunnel. He's becoming a leader before our very eyes. And it's Doug Peterson allowing that to happen because you made the beautiful take. Why in the hell is my rookie, or not rookie quarterback, but why the hell is my quarterback still in the game, four interceptions deep, down 27 to nothing? You just got to have the faith in your guy. And a lot of other teams need to look at this and have faith in their guy. Um, We won't get into the examples, but (laughs) when it comes to the chiefs, I think this injury sucks for Mahomes. I don't think it's really gonna, I think Mahomes is a good enough athlete to play through it and still have a good game through it. They got the bangles coming. We're going to talk about that, but that's what the Jaguars did. They came in, they hurt Mahomes. They they take they tasted a chance and they can be happy about that. And for the Chiefs, I'm not necessarily worried. I'm just worried about Mahomes' ankle and how it's gonna progress until we get, we get to to game day because we know he's playing. There's no way in hell Mahomes misses the game. And there's probably no shot unless he gets hurt severely again that he's gonna miss any time in the game. So it is what it is. I think the Chiefs, you know, they're 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 on a mission, and they, like you said, this game kind of showed me that for Mahomes to go out and then they play somehow better because they were smooth, you know, on the dime, on the dot, everything was great. 
he goes out, everything was just aggressive and better. And it's that was just crazy. Yeah. So if they can turn that on at any point in time, wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I think they understand what they're capable of even at a higher level because of that too. So the Chiefs are scary from here out. Uh, but yes. we'll talk about what that means for the next round pretty soon. Before that, uh, let's move to our last Saturday game. Uh, let's take a look at the Giants versus the Eagles. I'll let you kick us off. Listen, man, greatness. This was probably the calmest I have ever been in an Eagles playoff game ever. And I know that's not saying much because we've been, you know, throwing Nick Foles out there and we had Michael Vick and we, you know, we had all this stuff in the past that led to all the excitement. But, man, it's, you know, going into this game, you just knew it was going to happen. And that's a very comfortable feeling as a fan. It's just, it was just such a huge mismatch of a game. And it, it was lovely. You know, and that, the Eagles defense is a masterclass. Like, I know that's like one of our favorite words is masterclass. But if there was a masterclass this weekend, um, besides the Bengals, and we'll talk about that, it was this Eagles defense from start to finish not letting the Giants get a chance at just about anything. Daniel Jones couldn't run. He couldn't really throw. Saquon couldn't run. The receivers were guarded from start to finish. There was almost no slip-ups whatsoever from that defense, and that's what you want to see. And on the offensive side, Miles Sanders didn't really do you know a whole lot, whole lot, but that offense was clicking. And they took A.J. Brown out of the game, but it didn't really matter. It didn't really matter. The Eagles just kept pushing. They kept clicking. Jalen Hurts throwing it where he needs to, running it when he needs to. And I think that was the most beautiful difference in what I love to see is that Jalen Hurts has confidence. Because going into the game last year with Tom Brady, and I know it was a completely different atmosphere, Jalen Hurts struggled. He was a rookie through and through in that game. Um, he struggling, didn't have the confidence, finally picked up the confidence late, but it was way too late. They were already down by like 20 something points against Tom Brady. This game, he was just confident right on the first drive, just getting it to Goddard into the end zone all the way down the field. And it, it was just smooth sailing from that point on. And Daniel Jones, I mean, listen, hats off to the Giants and Daniel Jones. Another example of sticking with your quarterback, you know, seeing it through, Hats off to the Giants. They have a good, you know, something good going into the offseason. Let's hope they don't, you know, do something typical of the New York Giants and and throw it all away for something that doesn't make no sense. I'm still shocked that they, they're getting away with this holiday thing. But, yeah, hats off to the Giants next. And, you know, Cowboys didn't make it either. The Eagles are the kings of the East. And all is right. All is right in the NFL. Was right in the world. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you you started off with the my biggest takeaway from that game uh, was that Eagles defense being the real deal. And they played it exactly like you need to against the Giants. If you think about the Giants offense, it's mostly one dimensional, maybe one and a half dimensional, right? They have Saquon and they have Daniel Jones' ability to run the ball and or create plays. It's his mobility that makes that passing attack be any kind of respectable. And they ran an excellent contain. They kept them in the pocket for almost the entire game. And when he's in the pocket, he can't do what he wants to do. In addition, you have a weak receiving corpse. 
So what do you do? You cover them. And they have plenty of corners to just cover their receivers. So nothing was available downfield. Your leading receiver for the game is Richie James with 51 yards. Daniel Jones finishes the game with an 11.4 QBR. Uh, so the Saquon, you know, had a, a somewhat respectable day. It ends up looking pretty good with nine carries for 61 yards. But that's seriously inflated by one almost 40-yard rush. I believe it was 39 yards he rushed for on one play. So if you take that away, he's got like 20, 20 22 yeah. yards. Maybe. I don't even I don't even really remember that play. That's how much. Yeah. It's so eight, <laughs> on his other eight carries, he's averaging under three yards a carry, which is not going to get the job done. And it ends up looking like he's got six point something yards to carry because he snapped off one long run and it was late in the game. It was once everything was already in the back. So Isaiah Hodgins, who I've really highly praised, he is the talent in this offense outside of Saquon Daniel Jones. And you shut him down. I, I saw them bracket him. I saw safety over the top. You didn't have a chance for Isaiah Hodgins to really make an impact in this game. And they aren't that good until they have at least one more guy making an impact. So and it's crazy because when you're Daniel Jones, you go from having one of the best games of yep. your career to one of your worst. And that tells me more about how bad the Vikings defense was compared to how good the Giants are. So the Giants, I, I mentioned that the Jaguars kind of looked like they didn't belong in playing in divisional round. The Giants really didn't. And <laughs> that is not a knock on the Giants. That is props to Brian Dable. This is not a roster that had any business making the playoffs, let alone getting a, a six seed, let alone beating a three seed. And we can talk all we want about how bad the Vikings are overall, like as a 13-win team and everything. But frankly, they're still a 13-win team. That defense was awful, but still a team that finds a way to win games. And the Giants took them out. It's good for them. And they have something to hang their hat on. That is a triumph. And this season should be a moral victory for them. And this should allow the Giants, similarly to how I talked about the Bills, to start attracting some free agents. And not just Kenny Galladay. That one's, that one's different. They should attract real free agents. And especially once they don't have to keep paying Kenny Galladay. Because I can't imagine that man's going to get much of an extension. And if only Odell went to the Giants. Yeah, but I, I really think Odell was, <laughs> you know, you say it, but really, if he was healthy, I think that really could have changed the, that whole offense a lot. Yeah. He just wasn't healthy. I, I know you say it sarcastically, but that really could have made a big difference in that yeah. Giants offense if they had a healthy, capable experienced wide receiver and you know Kenny Galladay is maybe one of those things but he's experienced nothing else 
So not that guy got that guy got the money. He got his grapes in the fridge, and that was it. I was so wrong on that. I really thought Kenny Galladay was going to be a steal. I I thought he was going to be. Well, the hater in me said that he was going to suck. I just didn't think I'd be right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, I really, really liked him on the Lions, and I just figured if he could stay healthy, he was going to be a monster. Lions, they they are a really good organization. Like just low key. Like I mean, it sucks that they that they failed so bad with Megatron, but. Yeah. It's, Either which – oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, they weren't on their stuff at that point. But they've really made a lot of right moves over the past four four years or so. And Kenny Galladay walking is certainly one of them. <laughs> and everyone was like, what are they doing? Yeah. Um, all right. So Real quick on, on the to... Eagles, I, I did want to just toot my own horn here. Um, the I, I was a little wrong on Miles Sanders and Bill's block. Had him in DraftKings lineup, and he was the kind of the biggest letdown. But still, with a respectable nine points in a PPR, it wasn't awful. Was still able to bounce back with the rest of the picks. Still cashed just fine. Even in tournament lineups, it cashed. So win-win there. Uh, but damn, I, it was this close to being Miles Sanders' field day. If the Giants could have kept it remotely respectable and they kept Miles Sanders in instead of letting oh, him yeah. all just... Because he, he, he got off to a good start. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. carrying it just fine. He was playing well. They didn't need him. They they wanted to keep him healthy. And running back's a position where you yeah. don't want to take any more licks than you have to. So they gave it to Gainwell. Gainwell had a career day. Uh, Sanders would have had a career day. Yeah, too we're, we're going to we're gonna need him for San yeah. Fran. So. and. Yeah. big Boston Scott touchdown that saved my betting day. And uh, hopefully you all took that advice as well and uh, cashed pretty well because the odds were pretty solid. I actually doubled down once I saw it kind of getting late. I, I saw him available for next touchdown score at like plus 1800. So that, that, that was a nice hit. You know, moving on, moving on to the next game that wasn't really – as exciting, unfortunately, <laughs> the the Bengals and the Bills. So the Bengals, they they rock the Bills. My really only my only take is um, one. It was a beautiful game, beautiful scenery. I love the snow. Yeah. I love that the Bengals wore white in the snow. I, I love that like everything was cool looking and great. Yeah. Um, the Bengals absolutely, and I, I don't mean to say it like this, but they beat the piss out of Bills. <laughs> like it was. It was bad. It was never even like the Bengals absolutely. Go ahead. It was never even close. Uh, they the Bills it never looked like they had a chance in this game, and yeah, I didn't it, expect that. It was like right from the start. Yeah, right from it, the start, the Bengals they scored on their first two drives. The Bills couldn't even put a drive together. No, and as the I mean, yeah, I mean when Josh Allen got into the end zone and started yelling at everyone, I was like. Okay, Josh Allen's back, and then they go the very next drive yeah. making their mistakes again, and I was like, "All right, okay." Yeah. I thought Josh Allen yelling at everyone would have put a fire in someone's heart, but yeah, th- this didn't play out at all like I expected. If the Bengals were going to win, I really thought it was going to be on some costly Josh Allen turnovers. That wasn't really it, and it wasn't even just awful play or like bad decision making or anything and now bills fans are gonna point toward his sprained ucl that he's been playing with all season i don't want to hear any of that you guys disrespected the the nfl disrespect the hell out of the bengals and then they came and beat the brakes off you that's it 
And the this Bills team, which is one of the most talented rosters in the NFL, which a lot of experts had them winning the Super Bowl. And given the season has really, really panned out in a different way than we expected in the preseason. Yeah. The preseason Super Bowl picks were like Bills over Bucks, Bills over Packers, Bills over Rams. <laughs> Look at how stupid all of that looks now. And, you know, the Bills piece, though, that was supposed to hold strong. Josh Allen was supposed to hold that strong. Josh Allen is supposedly the best player in the NFL. This proves to me that he's not. And he's not there. He, I Like you said, I think his best game is behind him. And he, that can't be the case if you're going to make a Super Bowl run. You need a lot more consistency. And that's the one thing he's not. He's, I will say he's probably, if not the most, one of the most capable quarterbacks in the league. But never has been the most consistent. So that's not a formula to actually take home. A Super Bowl. Yeah, and I'm a I'm gonna agree with you here. Finally, I mean, I don't I don't think it's I I mean I love his I love the talent I love I love Josh Allen I love everything that he can do. Um, it's just it's the consistency aspect of it. I mean, injured or not, I mean, you know, if you're that injured, sit down. That shouldn't be an excuse if you're not sitting. If you're playing, if you're throwing yourself out there. I got to give it to what it is. I mean, and it's not like they don't have any, you know, backups that can't get the job done. But anyway. It's a sprain um, too. So that, that's something that we really have to put a little bit more emphasis on. A sprain heals on its own. Does not need surgery yeah. that we're aware of. Well, if, listen, if we come back and hear that Josh Allen had surgery to repair this thing, different story and I'll eat crow on this. But I'm not. Well, if he has surgery, he's most likely going to just lose his whole next season. So yeah, so I'm not expecting surgery. They could have sat him down for a couple weeks. If they sit him down for a couple weeks, what's going to happen? Maybe they end up losing the two seed to Cincinnati. And guess what? They lose home field advantage. Guess what? Didn't matter. Home field advantage over the Bengals, which they might not have even deserved in the first place. Bengals kind of got screwed on the whole home field advantage out of the three teams. They were the ones that really got impacted the most. I think the Chiefs got screwed a little bit if if it came down to that neutral site. The Bills end up being the ones that benefit from it. And then the Bengals get screwed the most because they didn't even have a chance anymore where they would have had a chance to be hosting Kansas City even in this AFC championship if they had won Kansas City lost. Kansas City won, so that part's irrelevant still. Bengals end up getting the biggest shaft here and they came out with that exact attitude that they were pissed off at all the disrespect that the bills laid on them, that the NFL has laid on them by putting tickets up for sale in Atlanta. And I get it from the NFL standpoint too. You want to sell out that stadium. If you're throwing a a, a neutral site banger in Atlanta, you want the tickets (laughs) to sell, but still, it's the Bengals felt that disrespect and they brought it with them onto the field. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. My, my thing, you know, about the Bengals is it's just like I said, and it's, it's sad that I didn't believe in my own words. It's, it's what I'm going to say on these, on this podcast over and over again. I got to listen to myself. It's that Joe Burrow does not give a damn. He's cool. He's Joe's shiesty for a reason. Everyone calls him cool for a reason. It's like everyone will will hype up Joe Burrow in this way, but then still, you know, count him out in these games like you and I did. Um, I, this team is good. It's just 
the one thing that the Bills didn't do and why I'm still going to like be a little hesitant on the Bengals is that the Bengals still have a banged up O-line. Uh, the Bengals do. They have a banged up O-line and the Bills didn't pressure them almost at all. I was watching the game. There was almost no pressure, no almost no blitzes, no no rushes. Joe Burrow was getting all the time in the world to throw. Then he has rookies in front of him. He has he has third stringers in front of him. Right. And that was my main thing is how do you not pick that apart? You're playing for, for so much you are in Buffalo because now all of a sudden Stephon Diggs is doing his, his Stephon Diggs thing. So, <laughs> like, either which way, you know, the Bills are done. One thing I want to say before I move on myself from the Bills and give kudos to the Bengals one more time is that I'm going to make a crazy comparison here. I, w- I would like to compare Josh Allen to Cam Newton and say that Cam Newton's better. And the way I'm going to say that is the play style is pretty similar. You know, the, but I, I think if there's one thing that Josh Allen should do um, over this, this offseason, he's, he's got to watch some film from Cam Newton. Because when I, when I was sitting here this morning on YouTube, you know, I was, I was taking my, you know, morning number two and I was going through uh, and I, I saw some highlights of Cam Newton. I was like, if Josh Allen did some of what Cam Newton did and did smart things with the ball while he's scrambling, this could be a whole different scenario because my issue with Josh Allen is it's his runs up the middle or it's his stupid runs along the sidelines where he's like fumbling the ball or he's just throwing it to wherever. Yeah. Cam Newton didn't do any like any of that. He ran around and if he had to, he threw it away, but he ran around and ran around and ran around and then figured his way, took care of the ball made sure the ball wasn't I mean obviously we know what happened later to Cam Newton in his career after the Super Bowl but regardless I mean if there's someone that he should probably watch if he wants to continue this style of play it's Cam Newton but in my opinion I'm going to finally agree with you Bill I don't think this the style of play is going to last him too much longer because I mean if if he is damaging his UCL that's pretty major that that takes 2 years out of baseball out of uh, out of pitchers' careers in baseball, I can only imagine what that does if that's on his throwing arm in football. So, yeah, and you know that's Tommy John surgery in baseball, and and if he needs it, yeah. you're right, long recovery. But if he doesn't need it, rest the damn thing, heal up, man. Like your team will carry on without you, and they're probably gonna win. This is a special there. opportunity. Yeah, and I'd have and to this a special opportunity. Like people jumping through tables, it's cold. It's New York, like the true New York team. It's Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen and yeah. Von Miller and all these guys. Like it's on, it man. Right, right. So on to Cincinnati. I, uh, before we do, I'll I do see plenty of comparisons, and I've seen that made over the past few days. Cam Newton, Josh Allen, who did the Cam Newton better essentially. And, you know, I think Cam Newton's MVP season is night and day above where Josh Allen has even shown over the course of the season. Cam Newton was consistent. That was the big, that that was how they made the Super Bowl. And that's how he won the MVP. Josh Allen hasn't shown that yet. He's had bad games in every season, particularly back when he's a rookie. And I think you really Let's go back to Brian Dayball one more time. You really see when he had Dayball and Dayball brought him from being a turnover prone, full of mistakes, rookie and young quarterback. And then all of a sudden he got him to protect the ball. And Josh Allen had nearly an MVP season. And now we're right back once we lose Dayball 
to the Bills turning the ball over all the time. And it's just, it's not going to cut it. Cam Newton, reckless, ran, took hits that he didn't need to take, ends up getting hurt. And this is what I fear for Josh Allen too. And I don't wish this upon Josh Allen or anybody else, but I'm afraid he will end up taking the one hit he shouldn't have taken. He's taken a bunch that look like they could have been. And then he gets up, flexes, first down. It, it's great. It's fun to watch. I mean, even in this game alone against the Bengals, I mean, yeah. there was and, two or three hits there. I was like, God damn. Yeah. <laughs> and with the Bengals, I'm very happy that Fontes Perfect isn't the Bengal anymore or else Josh Allen might be dead on the field somewhere. Yeah. You know, so it's – and same with Mahomes coming in – or, well, Bengals going into Kansas City. If the Bengals are getting pressure and they're doing what they need to do, if you have somebody that's going to lay the wood in the right way, then it, Allen's done for the game. And same thing with Mahomes' ankle. That really concerns me. And we'll get into that game pretty soon, but – the Bengals earned a lot of my respect, except Eli Apple. And I don't know if you followed this much yet, but uh, Diggs followed up on his leaving locker room early and how he doesn't like how it's just the same thing every year. The <laughs> Diggs is unhappy with the consistency of the inconsistency. He said it's the same thing every year, and what it is is they just don't play up to their ability, and that's a Josh Allen thing. And I, I don't know. It, it's I'm not. I'm not gonna lie, Stephen Diggs. It's not like he was doubled every time. No. that he took the field against the Bengals. He he got a lot of single coverage matchups, and Josh Allen couldn't find him underneath. And that's the thing. And you can't blame yeah. that on a UCL. He just wasn't making the throws that were available to him. He was making the wrong decisions. So the Bengals didn't need to double him anymore because Allen wasn't throwing to him underneath. And that had to be the look on several of those plays. When said he's forcing it down the field to Gabe Davis, he's forcing it into Cole Beasley. And yeah, and it was Gabe Davis because Gabe Davis, it looked like Gabe Davis wasn't even trying on half of those throws. Like that, it was frustrating me watching Gabe Davis play football. Yeah. It was a frustrating game. I, I can't even imagine if I was a Bills fan. The only thing that would frustrate me more is if I was a Cowboys fan. So let's take a look at that game. Uh, Cowboys versus 49ers. I want to start with the ending. What in the hell was that? How is I don't that know. It's just... possibly the play call on the last play of the game? When you have a chance. Here, Here's what I got. Like for for that ending, it's and this is what I love. I absolutely love this. It's that the Cowboys. It's like they talk all this shit. Like they're they're players, the team, Jerry Jones, the media. You know, America's team. This that they're gonna do amazing things. They have one of the best teams every single year. We hear this, blah 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 blah. Then they end up not being as good. Whatever. Well, hey, their defense was as good this year. But my thing is, is that no matter what, is that not only do they lose, they find a way to lose in the worst way possible. And that is what we got. And I don't, if I'm Zeke, I'm out of there. <laughs> like, you just put me in a position to basically die. <laughs> yeah. Because what was that? So, I somewhat understand 
that you want to get as many of your playmakers on the field as possible. So you don't really want a center to be one of the guys that's able to catch a lateral because frankly, if he's out there and nobody's on him or it makes it look like nobody's on him, then somebody's going to end up throwing him the ball. And if you run enough laterals and everything, you get to tire out the defense. I understand in concept a little bit of what they were doing, but you throw it to Turpin right away in while he's covered. And what I don't get is that if, if you're trying to get this into your biggest playmaker's hands, which might be Turpin in this, in this opportunity, Turpin's got the most evasive maneuvers out of this whole offense. So with that said, get him a blocker, just one, any blocker, run a rub, run something that allows him to catch the ball with his feet on the ground. He got demolished instantly and wrapped up (laughs) excellent tackle. Great job finishing out the game by the Niners, but man, that was just rough to watch. And I just want to point out, as we say so long to the Cowboys, Mike McCarthy, while he's put together back-to-back very good records, this guy cannot do well against good teams. And the reason for that, in my opinion, is his lack of ability to adjust. And it's, I mean that on many different levels. I mean, he hasn't adjusted to the current state of the NFL. He hasn't gotten creative in the in the least bit. But also, he doesn't know how to make halftime. With one of the most creative teams in the league. Right. So that's why he's not in Green Bay anymore, first off, is because he stopped evolving. And if you look at the only two fourth quarter comebacks, now he's got a very talented offense. You look at Zeke, Tony Pollard, Dalton Schultz, C.D. Lamb. You've got plenty of weapons where you should be able to storm down the field and come back in any game that you're behind. Given they had a lot of wins, you don't need many fourth quarter comebacks. But the only fourth quarter comebacks he had were against the Texans and Gardner Minshew-led Eagles. That's it. End of list for this whole season. And there was only one last year. And there there aren't many under Mike McCarthy in general because he doesn't adjust. He doesn't know how to figure out the other team and then do something differently. So that's what I think the Cowboys need to do differently. I think Jerry is somehow putting together awesome teams. And and this is the weirdest GM situation in the history of the NFL. And he's still ending up putting together great teams that can't do anything. I don't blame Dak for the inconsistencies as much as I blame Mike McCarthy. I don't think he's setting Dak up for success here. Uh, But all around, Tony Pollard getting hurt, killing blow for sure to that offense. Any chance they had is out the window there. Uh, C.D. Lamb got his, but that's San Francisco style. That umbrella coverage I talked about last week, I said Lamb's going to have plenty of work. He did, uh, but it just wasn't enough. Uh, San Francisco showed me that they have what it takes. And that's on a day where they really took out Christian McCaffrey. They took out Debo Samuel and Brock Purdy still gets it done. It's mind blowing how good the San Francisco 49ers are doing under Brock Purdy. 
But uh, even on a day where the offense wasn't clicking at full speed, they still end up having a, a great game. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say I think that Tony uh, Pollard injury. I'm not gonna say it cost the Cowboys the game, but I think it was definitely huge. It kind of took a lot of kind of took a lot of their offense away because he. I mean, after him, yeah. I mean, Ceedee Lamb got a lot of yards after that, um, but they didn't really have a lot going on before that. Um, I I don't know. I mean, while you can't blame uh, blame Dak, the one constant in all these all these seasons is that Dak is just horrible in all of these last games. He's just horrible every time when the season's on the line. It's just Dak just puts up a horrible game. And yeah, I mean, I agree. It's I, it's just a combination of coaching, and Dak just doesn't have it in him. I mean, it was it was just like Romo too. I mean, like Romo, he was a great quarterback, but at the end of the day, is he the quarterback that you want? You know, last game of the season, no. I mean, it's the same thing with Dak. Do you want Dak last game of the season? No. I mean, at this point, I almost say just get desperate and get Aaron Rodgers and just dilly-dilly try to do something. But that, I don't know what the Cowboys need to do. They, I don't know. They probably just need to relocate at this point. Whatever. I'm happy. I don't, I don't care. I want, I'm focused on the 49ers. And that it was, it was a decent performance with, you know, Debo not having, you know, too big of a game or McCaffrey not having too big of a game. Kittle went went off, which is really good to see, because um, he hasn't had you know spectacular performances this year. That dude's um, fun. So to that's watch. it's good to see him, you know, awake and alive and well. Um, I think the the hugest the hugest thing for the 49ers was that you know the Brock Purdy, I he's serviceable. I mean, the the biggest thing that we got to understand with Brock Purdy, and as much as I count him out of these games because he's a rookie quarterback, is that he's a rookie quarterback. He he doesn't have a full season under him. He was put up to a really huge task here, and he's actually he's gotten an A plus. No matter where this finishes, he gets an A plus because no matter what, and I'm jealous of 49ers fans is that no matter where they finish, they'll have the oh we had Brock Purdy. At the end of the day, if they lose or if they win, it's going to look that much more amazing because they have Brock Purdy. So with the 49ers, you know, I I don't – the Cowboys, that's the last time. That's the first and last time I'm ever thinking that they'll ever win a playoff game. Um, and then the 49ers, well, we'll be talking soon in like 10 minutes. <laughs> let's dive in before we talk 49ers football as to what that means moving forward let's take a look at both matchups i want to start off on the afc let's take a look at chiefs versus bengals uh, i think this is the part two that we weren't really expecting as much uh, we, we thought the bills were going to take on the chiefs here we knew the chiefs would end up playing in the afc championship because they always do uh but Man, I think this is, while it's not the part two we really wanted, I think it's the part two that's much more likely to live up to the hype, uh, which is the actual replica of last last year's AFC Championship game. And I think it's going to be a different outcome this time. Uh, so what do you think on Chiefs versus Bengals 2023? First off, man, Joe Burrow is a hell of a guy. This Bengals is a hell of a team. I love what they're doing. They're tired of the disrespect. They shouldn't even be getting disrespected to begin with. Um, but I, I, I think I know where you're going with this, and I think I'm going to agree with you. I don't think the Chiefs are going to be dumb like the Bills were. 
The Bengals, again, their offensive line is broken. And even when it's healthy, it is not a good offensive line. The Chiefs are going to expose this. And if they don't, I will again be shocked and I will again be surprised if Joe Burrow wins. And if Joe Burrow goes to the Super Bowl and faces either the 49ers and the Eagles, the two best defenses in the league, and still doesn't get ripped apart and wins the Super Bowl, I will again be shocked. And I will tell you that the Bengals, in my opinion, are fourth in this in this list of teams here. Um, but it's Joe Burrow. It's the Bengals. He's cool. He's collected. No matter what, it's good to know that you have a quarterback that is going to be cool, calm, collected, give you what you need. And he's only really going to look bad against the best defenses in the league, as it should. Um, but this is Patrick Mahomes. This is the Chiefs. They look confident, and that's scary. They look better when Mahomes is off the field. Mahomes is injured, and they still look better when he came back injured. Uh, he's, he has a whole week to recover. After this, he's going to have a whole another two weeks. He knows that. So I believe he's going to give his all into this performance. And I just I don't see this being a pretty one for the Bengals. But I've been wrong about them. So, yeah. Going with the Chiefs, though. Yeah. And so there, there's a couple different elements to this. I, I'm also going with the Chiefs. So I'll get that out there first. The Bengals last week really got the run game going. And the Chiefs give up, looks like, 144 yards a game on the ground. If they do that here, this is going to be a whole lot closer than it should be. Um, but frankly, I think it it's going to hinge on a few things. A, Bengals are going to have to run the ball. I think this is going to be a much bigger Joe Mixon day than anybody's going to expect. Uh, he's been relatively inconsistent this season. Isaiah Pacheco has more rushing yards than Joe Mixon does on the season. So it's hard to say that the Bengals rushing offense is going to be the catalyst to this game, but you have to keep Mahomes off the field a little bit. And the only way I don't want to see that happen is Mahomes getting more injured. So if that does happen, Chad Henney looked excellent against the Jaguars Chad Henney Super Bowl week. win? <laughs> yeah, but I don't think Chad Henney is going to look as good against the Cincinnati defense. So we need to not see Chad Henney this week. Uh, the Bengals last week against the Bills left St Stephon Diggs open underneath a lot. You're not going to be able to leave people open underneath against the Chiefs. The one thing Mahomes does better than anybody else is feeds whoever's open, not just who he wants to feed. So I don't know why Josh Allen didn't want to feed Stephon Diggs last week. So I get his frustration going to the locker room after. But Mahomes isn't going to do that. He's not going to make those mistakes. So he's going to hit Kelsey underneath if he's open. He's going to hit his slot guys. He's going to exactly. hit Juju on some underneath stuff. And they also have the guys that can stretch the field to open that up even more than the Bills have. So I really think while Stephon Diggs is the best receiver out of any Bills or Chiefs receivers, the number two and three and four and five might all end up being on the Chiefs. So I think it's going to be tough for the secondary to do as well. I'm really hoping Eli Apple gets burnt like toast. Uh, and most likely. 
I really think it, it's likely to happen a little, not super frequent, but I think it's going to happen often enough uh, where they're going to open it up where the Chiefs will even be able to run pretty well here. I expect this to be a Jarek McKinnon game. We haven't seen it yet. It's one game deep, but I still expect it. He just finished the season doing incredible things, and Mahomes is perfect quarterback for that. Mahomes likes McKinnon blocking, so I expect to see a little bit more of him this week. And uh, that Bengals offense, Legereus needs a monster. I don't expect Chase to do huge things, but remember Burrow has essentially three guys that would be number one receivers on other teams. So I really think Tyler Boyd and T Higgins have to show up for them to have a chance. And I think they're more than capable of doing that. Hayden Hurst as well. He showed his reliability last week. So, you know, I think we're not going to see absolute fireworks. I'm expecting both teams to be in the twenties. I think it will be a close game. Uh, but man, I just think there's no way the Chiefs lose if Mahomes stays healthy. Yeah, and the, that's definitely a good point. And my biggest point from all this has nothing to do with either of these two teams. But I want to bring up something interesting. And it sucks. And it's that I believe if Lamar Jackson was to have been healthy, that he'd be going to the Super Bowl. And the reason why I say that is that that, that Ravens defense and what they showed yeah. um, against the Bengals and then what Joe Burrow came out and did against the Bills. Yeah. You know, granted, Joe, Josh Allen, you know, basically, you know, shit the bed. But they would have eaten the Bengals alive, I believe, if Lamar Jackson was playing and healthy. Yeah. And then the Bills, they would have they would have smacked the Bills like even worse than the Bengals smacked the Bills. And right. then they would have gotten the Chiefs. And I think that would have been fireworks. But I, I honestly believe if the Ravens could have shut down the Chiefs enough now with a hobbled Mahomes, they would have had a really good chance. And then, I don't know. If you're asking me, I think the Super Bowl is going to be decided by this next game we're going to talk about. Yeah, I like your Ravens' point. And, man, I'm not looking even at the Bengals being division champions if uh, Lamar stayed healthy throughout the whole year, given yeah. that's a different ask. But if... Lamar was even available for just the playoff game. I think we're we're in agreement there. I think we're looking at because I was shocked because I was like, what what I saw in that Ravens game, I saw Joe like the Ravens did what they were supposed to when they have a backup quarterback that's in there. You have to absolutely expose the other team. That's the only way you're gonna even have a shot at winning is you got to expose, expose, expose. The Dolphins did that to the Bills. The Dolphins got Josh Allen to make a whole bunch of mistakes. That's that's the Bills' weakness is Josh Allen. The Bengals' weakness is that it's their offensive line. The Ravens attacked and attacked and attacked. Joe Burrow can't throw with, with no time given to him. I mean, not a lot of quarterbacks can. Um, and basically, Burrow comes into Buffalo and absolutely looks like full-on MVP, you know, Joe Burrow again. So that makes me believe that if Lamar Jackson was healthy – this whole thing would have been different. And that is just such a sad thought. <laughs> yeah. And I know it's tough to argue results here. It's back-to-back -back AFC championships for the Bengals. And Jamar Chase has been lights out. Don't get me wrong. Absolute stud. But if they end up losing again because of bad offensive line play, no matter when they lose, it's frankly just if they can't put together a Super Bowl run uh, because of offensive line play, 
I think we're going to look back as to whether or not they made the right call drafting Jamar Chase over Penny Sewell. And that's wild to think about that saying Jamar Chase might have been the wrong pick. But, man, if they can't put it together offensive line-wise, it's tough not to go back and think about how that was the biggest glaring need in the history of needs, and they just didn't address <laughs> it. So – on to the NFC here. We've got the Eagles versus the 49ers. I'm going to let you kick us off. I'll, let's hear about your Eagles. Man, um, we're here. And it's honestly, this is what every football fan deserves. Um, after going through a season like this with all of the highs and then all of the lows, like, you know, we had the DeMar Hamlin situation. We had, you know, Aaron Rodgers falling on his face. We had Tom Brady possibly going on his way out. Um, we had all this, all, all of this bad with the goods. We get this really good matchup with two amazing offenses and two amazing defenses. This is how it should be. This is how the championship, you know, final before the Super Bowl should be. The two best teams just duking it out, and I love it. You know, I... I love the Eagles here. And the reason why I love the Eagles here is because they match up well with the 49ers. We got a great quarterback. It's going to be good to see Jalen Hurts go against this 49ers defense and see if he can stay composed. Um, he's gone against a lot of good defenses this year and has stayed very composed. On the other end, we got A.J. Brown, who was very, very mad after the last matchup. And if there's anything to say about A.J. Brown, it's that he performs well after being mad. And that, that's like Tom's intuition right there. Um, it's it's kind of like Dak Prescott with the thrust. We did not see the thrust versus the 49ers, but we did see them against the Buccaneers. I'm just I'm just saying, man. Let me give you one. And, it, the Eagles up and down. Up. A.J. Brown had one of his best games. Say that again? Just a quick pseudo stat to back that up. A.J. Brown had one of the best games of the entire year in his revenge game against the Titans. So I fully believe you on A.J. Brown. Bill's block is going to follow up on Tom's intuition, really send it home on AJ. And if we go back to an episode, if AJ Brown can turn it on whenever he wants, this is going to be a game where he's going to turn it on. And there's going to be so much for the 49ers to worry about that. There's going to be something for the Eagles that's going to pop off and it's going to hurt the 49ers. And that's going to either be Miles Sanders or it's going to be AJ Brown. And one of those things is really going to cripple the 49ers because Jalen Hurts is going to get his regardless. So it's it's going to be tough for the 49ers because on the other end, you got Brock Purdy, who is the rookie quarterback that's going to have to go against this disgusting defense. And he has all the weapons around him. And his only shot is to get the ball to these weapons around him. I truly think the win is going to have to go through, obviously, I'm, I'm addressing the obvious um, here. The win's going to have to go through the veteran leadership of McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and George Kittle, what they're going to be able to do once they get the ball. Because I'm not expecting too many long throws downfield, you know, too many wide open passes in the middle. It's going to have to be short passes that allow Kittle, Debo, and then the rest of the crew. Um, IU, I'm probably forgetting a couple names. But it's going to be up to those guys to get the ball and use their skills to do what they got to do. And if they can do that... It's going to be a very good game. If they can't do that, I'm sorry, America. I know as much as you guys don't want the Eagles to win, I think it's going to be a long day for San Fran finally. Um, but that's the way I see it. Bill's going to give us a whole different spotlight on the situation. 
So you got it. But I got the Eagles. I got I got the Eagles winning this. Yeah, so I want to break it down a little bit about uh, Philadelphia's offensive matchup against this pretty ridiculous San Francisco 49ers front. So the San Francisco 49ers are probably the best rushing defense in the league. It's a tough matchup on the ground statistically, but we have to understand the Eagles run a different type of rushing attack than most teams do. They have a three-headed monster right now that everyone is getting theirs. Uh, You have Miles Sanders, you have Kenneth Gainwell, you have Boston Scott. You're going to have fresher legs than really any team can attack 49ers with throughout the entirety of the game. Then you bring in Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts runs in a totally different way. Mobile quarterbacks are far different than just rushing offenses. So there's still a way to accumulate the rushing yards and keep the clock moving and control the game through rushing without needing your running backs directly performing throughout the game. They need to commit to the run to open up the pass. Again, that San Francisco secondary runs that umbrella style defense that leaves things open across the middle. Uh, So you look at both Goddard and you look at Devontae Smith coming over the middle. Both should do something at minimum. But the guy I'm really looking to as the biggest mismatch is A.J. Brown, who we talked about being frustrated last week after not getting the ball much, even though he really didn't need the ball. Um, And you look at the way C.B. Lamb, who is his most similar archetype from the Cowboys. He's the guy that kind of runs the most parallel to A.J. Brown in terms of style of play, playing on the outside. You look at the production that Lamb had, they just need to feed A.J. Brown just as much. And A.J. Brown's a guy that can truck these uh, these San Francisco secondary that, and he could end up breaking one to the house. So that umbrella shouldn't allow him to take it really to the house, but I still rip off big gains. So he does a couple of those and all of a sudden the run game can open up because there aren't many teams that can pass over the top of San Francisco quite like Philly. Therefore, they're going to be the biggest, the the best setup to actually run against them as well. One stat that I saw really interesting, uh, Nick Bosa, who is absolutely phenomenal this year, led league in sacks, absolutely incredible against the pass this year, actually only has a 21% win rate against the run. That's not good. <laughs> That's a 79% fail rate. So if you just run it, Nick Bosa in particular, I think that can help set it up. And Philly's done the best at attacking defenses where they can hurt them the most out of really any team in the league this year, just about. Uh, so they're at least top three, top five in that, in my opinion, if not top one. So I do think Philly is going to get theirs. And not many teams have gotten theirs against San Francisco this year. I picked San Francisco going into this game. I thought I was going to be very, very confident about my San Francisco pick once it came to this. I'm still going with San Francisco here, but it's basically on a gut call and the fact that I already said it a bunch of times this season and the fact that I already bet it. If it weren't for that, 
I might be leaning Eagles here because of the way Eagles offense can really mismatch against anybody, but even particularly this 49ers defense. Uh, Brock Purdy, I don't think is going to be a problem for the Eagles, but he's not going to be the solution for the Eagles either. Brock Purdy is a distributor of the ball. I think Kyle Shanahan is drawing up genius plays to get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible and over to his playmakers, uh, whether it's Kittle, whether it's Debo, whether it's CMC. I think CMC is going to do a whole lot better against the Eagles this week. Uh, they haven't been really bleeding to the running backs much, but CMC, is a, he's a different guy. And they didn't really need to use him that much. They didn't need to lean on him, similar to how you didn't have to lean on Sanders. So kept him fresh. And all of a sudden, he's going to – you got CMC with fresh legs, anybody's in trouble. So I, I expect CMC to have a pretty ridiculous game. Uh, Eagles should be able to contain him a bit, but containing him might still look like 130 yards. So I think it's going to be close. But, again, leaning 49ers, I am also leaning the – Hey, that's very fair. That's very fair. Well, since you're big on stats right now, why don't you give us Bill's block? Bill's block this week is, again, going to be pretty simple. Uh, Really just got to rely on DraftKings as the number one way to make make money right now. Uh, So going to break it down a little bit more and, and give you kind of the options because some of these might be a little bit polarizing. So starting off a quarterback, uh, the only defense that I would really like to attack this week is Kansas city's because they give up so many yards. Uh, so I, I also want to point out that Frank Clark is hunting the all time NFL postseason sack record. So careful little grain of salt. Don't put all your eggs in this basket. If Burrow gets obliterated by Frank Clark early, I think this could be a different game, but I am going with Joe Burrow as my quarterback here. Uh, So I'm not saying put the whole bankroll on a 50-50 on a cash lineup or anything because there's a chance Burrow is playing banged up for this game with the state of that offensive line. But I think 60% chance that he leads the four quarterbacks in total yards uh, so I, I do like Burrow here as my quarterback, particularly for the value. I think the two things that you have to do are lock in the two most productive running backs of the week in Christian McCaffrey and Joe Mixon. We talked about how Kansas City gives up 144 yards per week on the ground. Joe Mixon accounts for a very large percentage of his team's rushing attack. P. Ryan really doesn't get in other than when Mixon needs a breather. So as one of the only real bell cows in the field. I do like Joe Mixon here and CMC we just talked about. Uh, should It really has a floor of 100 yards and the ceiling is just absurd. So locking in with the two most expensive running backs on the slate, uh, but still able to get A.J. Brown in as my wide receiver one. A.J. Brown, again, with the umbrella coverage, should have plenty of receptions, but a few broken tackles away from ending up having a stellar yardage total. And I think he could find the end zone as well. Uh, So AJ Brown is my wide receiver one of the week. I do have Tyler Boyd to continue the Cincinnati stack. Uh, Doesn't end there. I will tell you about one more Cincinnati player in just a moment. Uh, But Tyler Boyd is a pure value play at $3,800. I really like him there. Uh, 
kind of toss up as to when he produces, but he is due. And again, I told you about uh, Jamar Chase being covered by Legereus Sneed. So I think they're going to have to look elsewhere. I really think it's it could be Higgins, could be Boyd, but Boyd fits the salary a whole lot better. I do have Hayden Hurst to follow it up. That ends the Cincinnati stack. Uh, he's going to be a flex play, which means I'll be doing two tight ends here. Uh, but then let's take a look at the other side of that, other side of the ball in that game. I've got two Kansas City Chiefs that I need to play here. I have Kadarius Tony, who the value still hasn't caught up yet. He's at $3,700, and he is Mahomes' guy right now, outside of the one and only Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey, against anyone, can do well. Uh, but Mahomes really has to rely on him above all else. He does just find the open guy. He's great at it. But if Mahomes has to force it anywhere, he forces it to Kelsey. Kelsey with 110 receptions. Again, MVP caliber season, in my opinion. Uh, so got to bank on Kelsey here one one last time at least. And I'm wrapping up with the 49ers defense. Uh, they just end up with a ton of points all the time. Hurts with his rushing ends up running into what are considered statistical sacks, even if it was meant to kind of be a running play that just ends up being half a yard shy of the goal line or the line of scrimmage rather. So with the technicalities there and Hertz does turn it over a bit. I do like the 49ers defense to put up points. Doesn't mean that the Eagles aren't going to get theirs on points. I think a couple things that you could do to differentiate. If you did want Devontae Smith, it saves you a couple hundred dollars. If you did want to go down from Kelsey, you can go down to Kittle, and it gives you plenty of money to upgrade. I do have 49ers defense, which is the most expensive of the slate. If you did want to bump down to the, the Eagles, really, I think are another another place you can go. Um, I don't uh, – you know what? Let me take that back. Don't go Eagles if you're going for a different defense. Go for Kansas City because, again, of the poor defense, poor offensive line play of Cincinnati. Should have plenty of sacks. And Burrow can turn the ball over. He he had, I believe, 12 interceptions over the course of the year. When you pressure him like Kansas City can and when he has to sling the ball to keep up with Kansas City like he'll have to do, uh, he is bound for an interception or two at some point in the game. That wraps up Bill's block. All right, so we're going to conclude this episode by giving you guys each a parlay that if you follow, it's going to win. I Joe Burrow haunts me, so I'm not going to vote for it. I'm not going to put Joe Burrow on my parlay, but this is the parlay that I say if you put your money on, it's going to win, all right? So just follow close. So we're going to go with, One minute, go with Nixon. The parlay, Richard Nixon. We're going to go with Richard Nixon. No, I'm kidding. We're going to go with Nixon for 60-plus yards. We're going to go with Higgins for 50-plus yards. We're going to go with Mahomes for 300-plus yards. A.J. Brown for 80-plus yards. And then a Brock Purdy interception. Whatever odds this comes out to be, because I haven't put this parlay in yet, this is going to be the parlay for you. I like it. Let's cash some tickets. So mine's a little bit more straightforward. I'm going with the over in both games. I think the Kansas City versus Cincinnati over-under is reflecting the possibility of Mahomes missing some time. I think he's going to tough it out. And frankly, if he doesn't, 
I think Cincinnati is going to end up with some really short field and the over still hits because of my insecurity on that ankle. I'm not betting either team in there and I'm really trying to steer clear of most props there. I'm going with a Higgins like touchdown though, to go with it. So I'm starting off over for Kansas city and Cincinnati T Higgins touchdown. I'm going over in the 49ers versus the Eagles. And then I'm going CMC anytime touchdown. It's negative money, but throw it all together. Ends up being a nice little four, four legger. All right. And there you have it, folks. So with that being said, um, thank you for watching. Make sure you guys like, share, subscribe. We got so much content coming. We're building a whole lot of momentum. We hope you guys, you know, enjoy what we what we got coming, what we're putting out there. Cause we'll, cause we're working. We're in the studios working. We're doing our thing. And Bill and I will be back in the studio soon. We're putting some final touches on the studio so that we can give you some really good content moving forward. So with that being said, thank you for watching and enjoy some football because we're going to get some two really, really good games. Then it'll be Super Bowl time. Three games left on the season. It doesn't get much more exciting than this. Again, best four teams are left, and let's see who the best two are at the end of this weekend. Let's do it. Have a good night, everybody.